truth of what happens is, as children grow up, we start to educate them progressively from the waist up. And then we focus on their heads, and slightly to one side. I think in the old days, you know, you were better off. Because nowadays, they're all specialists. Everyone's becoming better and better, and less and less. And eventually, someone's going to be superb and nothing. Our education system has mined our minds in the way that we strip-mined the earth for a particular commodity. And for the future, it won't serve us. We have to rethink the fundamental principles on which we're educating our children. We're not here to tell everybody that they're wrong and we're right. We're not saying that we have all the answers, but um, we'd like to present a different way of looking at it. Right, I want to get down to the nitty-gritty, as we say on this podcast. When we met recently, you said the word 70-30. And I think this is very important, this 70-30. Could you explain what you mean by that? I mean, I, I think I have a, an understanding of it, but better coming from, from yourself. My pleasure, Chris. Yeah, the, the magic 70-30. So, yes. of, of course, in the key years, in, in the core years of the Chinese national curriculum from grade one, um, to grade nine, um, our commitment will be to teach a really high quality curriculum, which is the Chinese national curriculum. Um, we'll do it well. Um, we're, we're busy designing how that will be, um, how those years and those programmes of study will be taught. Um, but crucially, how can we do that and, and still um, claim to give our um, students the opportunity to develop English and, and become bilingual? And the answer um, is that um, key components need to be taught in Chinese, Chinese language, Mandarin, of course, um, but also the, the rich culture, traditions, history, geography, um, morality, ethics um, of, of China um, will be covered in Chinese. And, and that's um, right. And that will be um, the very strong coverage with with high quality teachers, very well trained and supported. We think that that will account for about 30% ballpark generalizing of curriculum time, timetable to time. All right. The other 70% um, will of curriculum time and the wider extracurricular opportunities that students have during their school day and these are long days with Harrow. They're productive, they're great fun, but they're long days. Um, the other 70% will be conducted in English. So that's a very large proportion of the Chinese national curriculum, subjects like mathematics, biology, physics. Chinese national curriculum programs will be taught, but they'll be taught in English. Um, and those are programs that we're developing at the moment, and they're exciting. And entirely doable as we study, as I become more um, aware of, more versed in the Chinese national curriculum, I, I'm excited by um, our opportunity to teach a really high quality Chinese national curriculum, um, a portion of it in Chinese and a portion of it in English. We're going to be recruiting teachers who um, are also excited by that prospect. And it's entirely doable as we develop our programmes the Chinese national curriculum is carefully thought through, is um, 
uh, a curriculum that's been um, developed over many, many um, years and decades. And at the end of the day, Chris, it's it's a very international curriculum in many respects. Let me just give an, an example. Um, photosynthesis. So how, how a, a green plant photosynthesizes. Um, it doesn't matter whether that's taught in English or Chinese. Photosynthesis is photosynthesis and the principles are the principles generally internationally accepted. So there's an opportunity for us to teach a scientific um, process and scientific concepts in English, um, allowing the, the lesson, the scheme of work on photosynthesis to be a vehicle um, for children not just to learn about biology but to learn um, to learn English um, taught appropriately with with um, the necessary support for Chinese first language speakers to develop an understanding of the concepts of photosynthesis possibly initially in Chinese before key vocabulary is int introduced in English and those are systems and methods that you would be very familiar with as an experienced teacher yourself. Um, but of course, there's more. This is a Harrow education. We're very committed to developing the whole child with um, broad opportunities for um, exploring other interests, musical and creative or academic or sporting. Um, and those opportunities will again be offered um, in English, appropriately supported. So, as I say, generalizing across the whole day, week, term, semester, year, um, we approximate that um, a student of the HILA um, Hung Ching um, and in the, in the future Tanjawan will experience the 30-70 the split, 30% of the overall educational experience of each student will be in Chinese and the Chinese programs will be very high quality. But 70% can be delivered in English, allowing that young person to really develop competence, fluency, confidence um, in English, preparing them for that situation I described before, whereby they'll be able to um, make a choice about their um, university destination, um, and, and their future adult life, whether that will be in a Chinese-speaking, English-speaking, or bilingual environment. Very, very clear, Mick. Very clear. Um, one thing I will pick up on is you said the Harrow days are very long. Now, my day starts at about 6.30 um, with the kids and ends at probably about 11 when I can't open my eyes anymore. How long is a Harrow day going to be in HLIA, Juhai Hunching? Well, I mean, it very much depends whether we're talking about day students or boarders. We we strongly okay, day students. Day students. We strongly, I was going to say, Chris, advocate boarding because it really gives twenty four seven engagement. But for a day student, um, we, we we're realistic. We're educators. We're, we're great believers in that expression: less is more. So we're not we're not cramming children with facts for for fourteen hours of of their day. Um, a, a typical school day, um, the, the timetable um, might run for um, something in the order of six to seven hours of timetabled lessons um, with breaks, with lunchtime um, and, and afternoon programmes available. But those breaks, those lunchtimes before classes, after classes, 
are packed full of opportunities for children to do other valuable stuff, you know, whether practicing their violin or going to debate club or, or preparing for a model United Nations competition, um, house events um, where they're taking the lead in organizing, um, sitting on the committee of, of a, a charity raiser or a, a fundraiser, I should say, or, or um, some sort of event that's important to the community. So much going on. Um, on the campus of a, of a Harrow school, whether in HILA or an HIS. Um, and, and really, we get to the point where um, the students love their school. Um, they're doing lots and lots of things, but they're things they want to be doing. And, and our day students on a campus that has boarding students as well are quite often having to be encouraged to go home. They don't want to go home. So they're, they're long and busy days, but they're, they're purposeful. Uh, Mick, we'll, uh, we're obviously in the bilingual realm now of, of talk. Will uh, the student, the Chinese student who joins the HLIA, will they have to take a kind of a, an English language test? You know, is it a must that they have a, a suitable level of English? Or will there be a kind of an internal intensive English service for those low level uh, English speaking students? Combination of both, Chris. So we, of course, are not going to um, admit any children who will go on to experience failure. That would be very damaging for the child, for the family, for us, for everyone involved. Um, we're yeah. currently embarked on a series of educational consultations that will allow us to um, talk to each child and each family about the level of their child's English uh, and other things, of course, importantly, their, their academic capability etc and that educational consultancy will allow the family to form opin an opinion as to whether um, their child could be successful with us in our um, HILA Juhai. The level of English required is, is specifically the question you're asking and that's going to vary quite significantly particularly given the age of the child so younger children really we're looking for potential not a lot of english being spoken um we we know that young children um, um you know neuro neuropsychologists um firmly advise us that their their brains have extraordinary plasticity and they're at a point where um psychologically as well as emotionally they just want to communicate they're willing to use swahili if it's what will give them the lego box um so, you know, younger children really were looking for um, intellectual uh, ability. Um, we're looking for children who are socially um, uh, able to get on. And we're looking for families where um, the child will have support from home. As, as the child um, ages or the, the consideration of the age group um, ages, um, of course, then we're looking for children who, who have a little bit more English. Um, yeah. But we're opening the school um, in age groups that will allow us to admit children whose English will then develop very quickly yeah. in experience yeah. year on year. And we're not going to be launching IGCSEs, A-levels, so externally validated examinations that require a higher, high level of English proficiency. We'll be very careful about the year groups that we open, allowing our children, once admitted, to not only make the adjustment to a very different learning environment and, and, and means of, of teaching and learning, but also operating 
70% um, in English will we'll allow for time for the children to adjust before pitching them into external examinations. Okay. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier, Nick, that, that these Harrow Innovation Leadership Academies that will be starting the rollout from next school year, it's, a, it's an ex first experiment of a kind for Harrow um, with the, with, in, in a way. And um, I mean, many schools in China, from my experience and speaking to many educators here, you know, have seen these stories of these companies or schools trying this bilingual parallel immerse, shall we say, two country curriculum sandwich um, and seemingly failing very badly. You know, the idea of trying to put two cups of water into only one cup uh, seems to suggest an unfortunate outcome of spillage and slippiness. So, I mean, how Harrow, and I think really so eloquently through this podcast so far, Mick, answered this question, but how are Harrow going to, to create this magic, to do this differently um, than others before it? And, you know, most importantly, how and why is, is it going to succeed, do you think? It's a really important question. Um, we're going to do this cautiously, prudently, um, based on uh, the foundations of a lot of success um, that we don't take for granted that we've worked hard for in our um, Harrow School in London, subsequently in the Harrow International Schools. So we have learnt a lot operating, for example, a school in Bangkok with 80% of its children being um, first language speaking in a language other than English. Um, and and um, the programmes, um, the, the pedagogies we've developed there, have led to extraordinary success in producing young people who leave the school bilingual and go to and, and succeed in some of the best universities in the world. Our schools in, in China, particularly the Beijing school, um, operates uh, curricula that assure the coverage of the Chinese national curriculum for, for many children who are Chinese, not just international children. So again, um, in recent years in uh, Beijing, we, we've done a lot of learning about bilingual education and, and how children or what children need in order to be successful in that environment. And then, crucially, not, not just building on that experience, but investing here in the centre, in headquarters, in really capable staff, not just international educators, but we have a team of Chinese educators who, um, from a Chinese perspective, understand what children need um, coming from a Chinese um, linguistic and educational background in order to succeed, meaning that we've invested a lot of time in the development of a curriculum uh, and a pedagogical approach um, that will support the needs of these children um, to make sure I'm going to challenge that word to make sure that this isn't seen as an experiment because no one wants their child right. experimented on. But, you know, no, to, to make sure that we can be very confident that the children will thrive um, as, a, as a headmaster, as a teacher in bilingual environments in, in the past. I've seen it with my own eyes. I, I, I know um, many, not all, many of the mistakes that can be made. I also know many of the techniques that can lead to success. Um, and fundamentally, it's about being very focused um, in a way that Harrow's um, traditionally been able to, to, to achieve 
very focused on the needs of that individual child. Um, through our house system, um, we have a, a relationship between key pastoral staff. We use a system with house masters and house mistresses who year on year um, through the house have children with them growing from, from um, the elementary years through early adolescence and into the teenage years. Uh, and these pastoral staff know those children extremely well, not just in the lessons, but outside of the lessons in, in structured as well as casual time. And it's those teachers working with the children and considering the individual needs that each child has in many areas, including the acquisition of a second language, English, um, that allows us to tailor um, the, the, the way teachers are, are working with those children, the, the, the techniques that are being used in the class, individualised support or small group support when needed, focus on vocabulary, focus on English language, focus on other academic skills, um, on paper, for example, that allows bit by bit the, the child to move forward whilst experiencing success. And if children are successful, they, they come to, 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 to want more and more. And that's what leads them to um, really embrace the school and the opportunity the school gives them. And that's what gets them to really strong exam results. And that's what gets them to an interview table um, with a top university. But then they've got to have a personality and a character, and things to talk about and the ability to, to look the interviewer in the eye. And that's where the holistic approach to education becomes so important in these situations that are hugely competitive as our graduates um, go shoulder to shoulder with graduates from all over the world competing for um, places at the top um, universities and universities of their choice. So slightly rambled explanation perhaps Chris but it's it's a big package it's it's a very yes. carefully considered um, approach to education and we're confident we can be successful in in our HILAs because frankly it's not entirely new to us we're, we're building right. evolving um, on, on our successes to date. Here here mate absolutely spot on um, and, and as we move into the last part of this podcast I just have a, a few questions that have been written in from our listeners. I, I'd, I'd like to, to, to put to you, Mick. I, I wanted to just talk about recruitment because clearly having discussed Harrow's hugely ambitious, uh, ambitious, shall I say, international plans, it seems like you're going to have to recruit many more international teachers. So can you briefly explain the, the process? We don't need to go into the ins and outs, but, but more so the requirements that you're looking for for any teacher that may be listening to this podcast, uh, who may be interested in applying to work for Harrow. Um, for example, Mick, do you have to be a teacher currently teaching in England to apply? Uh, the answer to that is, is no. Um, we're looking for teachers for our Harrow International Schools and importantly our HILAs um, who, who are uh, fully qualified. Um, equivalent to, it's, it's like the Holy Grail, um, the um, <laughs> British um, Ministry of Education um, or, or Department for Education um, um, have a, um, a registration requirement and we're looking for teachers who have the equivalence of that requirement. 
Um, okay. We're looking for, for teachers who are first language English speaking, and we're looking for teachers that come from um, a, a strong background. So we're, we're not looking for fledgling teachers. They, they need to be well into their career, their teacher's toolbox well stocked with the tricks of the trade for, for classroom management, behaviour management, as well as um, subject knowledge. So that's kind of the, the, the basics, um, but they don't need to be working in Britain. They could be anywhere in the world, including in China. And in fact, many of our strong applicants are, are coming in from China. Um, okay. I think very, very importantly, we're, we're looking for that extra bit of something. Um, we, we want teachers with, I like to call it sparkle, something that, 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 that makes them stand out, um, that's going to engage yeah. children. We're also looking for, for teachers who love working with children. Uh, don't just see it as a day job, um, see it as a vocation. Exactly, yeah. It's something they really enjoy. Um, and we're looking for, for teachers who embrace, I've used the phrase several times, uh, a holistic approach to education. So not just focused on their subject in their classroom, but really understand the value of, of a wraparound education that's so engaging for the young people. Um, and can bring other um, skills and experiences um, to a school community. So um, maths teachers who are musical, um, primary teachers who want to take um, secondary children up a mountain. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we're looking for, for teachers with that extra um, bit of something that's going to really allow these new schools to found and quickly become communities, not just buildings. Um, we're, we're fortunate in recruitment in that Harrow has such a strong name, not just in the UK, but internationally. It's recognised, if you like, as a kite mark of quality. And there's teachers, international teachers, looking around for opportunities. It can be bewildering. So the Harrow name brings that, that assurance. And we're lucky that that means that we have um, a, a lot of teachers expressing interest in opportunities with us. Um, but with this rapid period of expansion, um, at a time when many other international schools are setting up, we, we don't take that for granted. So we've um, a very, very strong programme of, um, we would call it continuous professional development. Um, yeah. Our Harrow Academy, which will allow teachers, once they've joined us, um, the opportunities they need to develop as professionals so we will retain them and see them grow and flourish and see a whole pathway ahead of them for their career within a Harrow school whether um, in, in Shenzhen or Hainan Island or in Japan. Um, we, we have um, strategic allegiances, that's not the word I was trying to find, alliances was the word I was trying to find, um, with, with some of um, the leading um, educational institutions globally that will um, be offering and be validating courses that um, will provide for our teachers, allowing them to become middle managers, senior managers, future school leaders. We'll invest not only in our international educators, but also in our um, locally recruited educational staff, so teachers, but teaching assistants, very important in our schools. Um, we'll have a pathway that they can see um, ahead of them offering them a you know a, a real future working within a Harrow school so yeah again working hard not just on recruitment but on how we're going to then retain and, and grow our talent yeah 
Superb. Uh, I mean, and Mick, it's recruitment time now, isn't it? Um, and I believe my researchers are telling me that recruitment's still open at the moment for uh, the Harrows um, around Asia. Um, I've, I've been told November the 24th seems to be a, a kind of a deadline date. I, I mean, this pod will go out before then. Would I, would I be right in saying that? It's uh, that is, weeks to that's go. correct, Chris, and I thank you for that. Um, yeah, so um, um, look, look online. Um, we have a, a well-developed recruitment portal that outlines all the opportunities within the Harrow family. Um, and that is the deadline for round one. Um, we're, we're anticipating strong interest in our schools and that interest, I'm really pleased to say, is, is growing all the time. So there will be a round two in January. And I think okay. fairly undoubtedly there'll be a round three um, in March, April after Chinese New Year. Um, but round one, the currently advertised posts, yep, that's that's the deadline. Get busy, I would encourage um, and any talented, sparkly teacher out there. <laughs> yes, indeed. Right, Mick, before we finish, because this has been wonderful, but I've got to keep you on for a few listeners' questions. Do you mind? Of course. Please go ahead. Uh, brilliant. OK, here we go then. Um, the first one is... Oh, well, this you alluded to this earlier. Why is there no Harrow in Malaysia, Singapore, or even Vietnam? Well, you told us about the Ho Chi Minh one that's on the horizon. Malaysia, Singapore. Um, yeah, any plans for them, or is is that kind of now probably saturated with tons of brilliant international schools already? There you go. You see, very good at your job. You've you've kind of explained <laughs> it. The, the the Harrow group hasn't been in a hurry. Um, to expand. Um, various opportunities came along in Malaysia and none of them looked like the right opportunity. Um, okay. you know, we're very, very careful about the opportunities we accept uh, in order to be able to provide, in order to have the necessary space, facilities, partner, opportunity to, to build a Harrow School. Um, so no firm plans in Malaysia or, or Singapore. Um, never say never if the right opportunity yes. came along, but we would be very discerning, very careful about uh, what that opportunity looked like. Okay, watch this space. Now, this next one, oh, it links into the recruitment. Is it frowned upon, Nick, to apply to multiple different schools in multiple locations? This is, like, I guess, through Harrow's, Harrow's recruitment portal. Can you clarify this? Because I believe I read that a teacher can apply for two open positions, but is that just in one school or meaning they can only apply for one position in two separate locations? So what I'm saying is, yeah, is that frowned upon in any way? If, you know, you see someone wants to come to Juhai or wants, wants to apply for Bangkok. Is that seen as a, you know, maybe ooh, you know, they're not really into one place? That sounds like a, um, a listener speaking from the heart, from experience. Um, not yes. at all is the answer not frowned on at all um the recruitment portal is my baby we wrote it in a way that absolutely would allow a teacher to come in thinking you know i'm only interested in shanghai and then get into the portal and um be astonished at the uh, range of opportunities across the whole family and and uh, we we believe in spreading sharing the love spreading the love by allowing teachers to apply for multiple posts and we work with and brief our headmasters and headmistresses um, to, to work um, in, in close collaboration. Um, the only rule we have, and the recruitment portal is very carefully structured so that people can and can't see the right things, the only rule we have is when we get to a point which is truly internally competitive, as in one school has made an offer, 
everyone else's interest in that teacher is frozen until that offer is, okay. is dealt with by the candidate, either accepted or rejected. Um, if okay, it's accepted, okay. obviously all of the bets are off. If it's rejected, then that candidate is, is back on with the other opportunities being pursued within the family. So no, uh, apply away, listeners. Um, there's some fantastic opportunities out there and you won't be being seen as, as disloyal, disloyal or irresponsible if you're expressing interest in several different opportunities. Okay, th th thanks for that, Mick. This is a, this is a good question. I, I, can, I can resonate with this from my experience on the ground here in, in China. For the, um, for the HILA, so this is the, the Innovation Leader Academies, which of course two are going to be opening in Zhuhai in the next few years. As you are following the Chinese curriculum and supposed local laws, will the school be able to access international websites such as YouTube for educational purposes? And will international festivals be able to be celebrated such as Christmas and Halloween? And last bit, sorry, which school calendar will you follow? An international one, or will it be the Chinese one? Now, that, that's some great questions. I, I really, yeah, really detailed question. Um, and these are deliberations we're having as as we head into right. the final run into opening our newer schools. Um, so, of of course, um, I, I have to clearly, I will clearly state that we will be entirely compliant with the regulations of of, of the local and regional EDBs. Um, we, we, of course, want to make sure that our teachers and students have the right resources available to them, but those resources will, will be um, uh, appropriate and, and um, we will be um, operating um, in, entirely um, to the letter of the law. Um, we have various ways and means of making sure that uh, our teachers have the resources that they, they will need whether it's video, whether it's online or not. Uh, probably I won't go into any more details than that, but our teachers are not going to lack in, in the resources they need. Um, as, as for the calendar, um, of course the Chinese um, New Year will be sacrosanct and, and we operate already three schools in China, including Hong Kong, yeah. um, and, and are, are very used to that. Um, and of course we're, we're considering whether it will be um, a, a tri-semester or a bi-semester um, school year. We very much want to um, synchronize our school year across the whole group for many different reasons, good and about children and, and their learning and the opportunities we can offer them. So, you know, for example, Chris, you'd be interested in this. Every year we run a, um, a Harrow family ski camp. Or we can, no, sorry, I should call it the winter camp it's not just skiing it's snowboarding there's community service and cultural activities up in northern japan in the ski resort that we're going to open a school in and we want all our kids to have the opportunity to attend it um, there are student conferences in london and in schools around the region there are competitions whether face-to-face -face or online there are many different reasons why it's in everyone's best interest to synchronize our calendars so, so probably it will be a hybrid whereby we are acknowledging Chinese New Year, we are acknowledging Christmas, and um, by and large, by and large, we're running um, three semesters so that we fit um, with the other schools, both the bilingual schools and the Harrow International schools that are all a part of our family. Um, so I'm kind of 
I'm not fully answering your question. I'm trying to give you a sense of, of um, the uh, direction we're going. We, we will make sure that the family is connected, the Harrow International Schools and the Innovation Leadership Academies, um, for all the right reasons, because it's about the children and the opportunities we can offer them across the family, as well as the teachers. Yeah, make, makes perfect sense, mate. Uh, next one, a few more to go. What type of summative assessments will you be using in these innovation leadership academies, in-house or outside? I mean, this, uh, outside adjudication, such as map testing. Yes, um, so, what, I think you yeah, alluded to earlier in the primary years there wasn't going to be any external exams. Was I was I right in listening? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's probably three different uh, approaches we could be take, taking for for summative assessment, or, or for readers, who, uh, sorry, for listeners who aren't teachers, for for assessments that are, are summarising where a child is in their learning. So certainly, we'll we'll use internal frameworks that already exist and have been developed within the fam Harrow family. Okay. And they'll be standardised across the school and across the schools, so that we know how children as well as teachers are performing. Um, and of course, some some of those will be bought in, will be off the shelf commercial products, if you like, whether it's reading age, whether it's a, a mathematical test. Um, so internally developed or, or commercially bought. And then um, ultimately, we will get to those age groups where there are um, external examinations that provide a grade um, that are externally validated. Um, and, and those, you know, very typically in a Harrow Innovation Leadership Academy or HIS will be at age 16, a suite of GCSE or international GCSE qualifications. And then at age 18, um, we're, we're not hard and fast by this, but we, we are A-level schools, advanced level, the, the, the UK um, pre-university qualification. Um, as I say, sat at age 18, typically some students sit one or two A-levels um, a year, even rarely two years earlier. Um, A-levels give access to global universities, not just British universities. Um, even Chinese universities, Japanese universities accept A-levels. Um, but yeah, as you said, we'll, we'll work towards that. We need to make sure um, in, in new schools like our um, Jew High School that the students are ready. That, that could well be um, we open to grade eight, possibly even grade nine, if we judge the cohort strong enough. Um, but they wouldn't sit um, their GCSEs until um, grade 10 and their A-levels until grade 12. So we'll be very careful about that. OK, wonderful stuff. Uh, Mick, this is a, it's a, I think this is a simple yes or no question. How, how good is that? Um, here we go. I am a Japanese female teacher with over six years of international teaching experience, have a degree and master's in young childhood education and accredited teaching license, all from the US. Uh, many schools in China have refused my application because my passport is not from a, a native English speaking country. Will this also be the case when applying for a teaching position with Harrow? And, I, and I'll say, I, I mean, I've heard these stories from lots of people, friends and that. Harrow being Harrow, um, all over the world, so not just in China? Um, the simple answer is no. We would not reject that application based on passports. Um, we, we are looking for um, native level English speakers to be teaching as qualified teachers in our schools. 
Um, that said, um, we, well, it sounds like the listener who sent that uh, question in has, has studied to a very high level within um, uh, an English first language speaking environment. So we would be able to make an assessment um, um, judging whether um, English proficiency for that um, prospective colleague was, was sufficient. Um, and, and then, of course, making a match to um, the teaching requirements um, that could be the possible deployment. So it sounds like that's an early years practitioner. And I've certainly worked very yeah. successfully within Harrow schools and outside of Harrow schools um, with non-first language English speaking early years teachers who have extremely good English to put me to shame, who can be very successful working with young people. <laughs> So the answer is no, apply away and we would then engage with you and part of the process would be to judge whether your English proficiency was sufficient. Okay, gotcha. Um, Mick, here's one more. As an international Harrow teacher, will I have a local teaching assistant in my classroom? I think, yes, you, you alluded to that. I can answer that for you. Um, if so, will they be the main contact, oh, this is good, for communication with parents? Um, and on top of that, he wants to know how many students will be in the class um, maximum yeah so obviously it depends um on the age group we're talking about it sounds like that teacher is focused on the elementary years on the primary years with the teaching mm. assistants in the classroom um so yeah, you'll probably, the yeah, yes, spot on, yeah. um, there would be a teaching assistant in the classroom yes that teaching assistant if the teacher was not a chinese speaker would be very important for communication um with home with parents um though, though not only the teaching assistant we we will be we are recruiting uh, chinese teachers to teach um the, the the chinese portion of the curriculum who will also be used as very important links with home and of course the school would have a chinese principal also very important for um appropriately um for um, home liaison if, if um a, a matter was sufficiently serious but day to day how's my reading going um what what's um what's homework uh, been like the night before the teaching assistant becomes very important for that um in terms of class sizes again it depend, depends on the age group at primary years or during primary years um early years we we start at um 14 to 16 um, by the time we get to, to K2, that's gone 16 to 18. Um, by the time we get to grade one, that would be 20 to 22, going through to um, the uh, lower secondary years, so junior high school. Um, grade six would be, we'd be going to 22 to 24, um, absolutely capped at 24, and then numbers start to come down again as we go into the examined years. Um, grade nine and then beyond grade nine numbers come down and down again obviously dependent on on subjects it can be very healthy to have a big economics a level class but you want small chemistry groups yeah yeah the the harrow china jedi finish line is coming up in the distance mick uh <laughs> one more <laughs> as a teacher will i have control over my classroom layout and be allowed to provide teaching strategies such as continual provision um, and perhaps have double block periods for literacy. Um, yeah, what's the situation with classroom layout and those types of things? Classroom layout, um, 
Largely speaking, yes. Again, it sounds like we're talking about a primary teacher. Oh, yes, yeah, I'd say, yeah, yeah, So, yeah. you know, we very much believe in empowering teachers of that age group to um, to own the environment. It's such a creative process. I, I was that teacher, so were you, Chris. Um, yeah. So the environment needs to work for, for the teacher and what works for one doesn't necessarily work for um, another. Um, we're not in favour of lots of desks in rows because that doesn't support the pedagogical approach. Um, would be an example of some broad guidelines that would be insisted on. Um, yeah. you know, we do encourage individual work, small group work, group work yeah. as well as whole class work. And so the, the classroom layout has to um, support those um, varied approaches. But in and amongst, um, there's lots of opportunity for individualism. In terms of assuring double double lessons for literacy, for example, um, certainly um, English, Mandarin, mathematics, and coding and technology are, are given primacy as we build the timetable. Um, so big chunks of, of discrete time for those subjects. Um, I wouldn't want to say that, in fact, I, I would argue it's not even necessarily the best thing to, to give um, a double English lesson first thing in the morning every morning um, mm -hmm. and of course we've got the realities of, of, of a timetable and finite staff etc um, but yes I mean we certainly build timetables that um, allow for the core um, high priority subjects to be delivered in in the mornings when children are awake and brains are well up oxygenated um, is, is an approach that we try to take. Um, Mick, something that's just come into my head that's not here on the paper. Um, types of technology in the classroom. Uh, is it going to be, uh, you know, all the, the children have, you know, these tablets now or, um, you know, computers in the classroom? How, how's that going to work in a, in a Harrow HLIA sense? That is one area we're not quite done on at the moment. We're developing okay. a technology strategy almost as we speak. We had colleagues down in a... Um, a conference in Singapore last weekend and, and feeding back. So we're not quite settled. Um, I, I can give assurance that um, technology um, will have an appropriate level of um, profile in our classrooms, uh, appropriate being not wholly dependent on. You know, we, we very much believe in children stepping away from screens and finding the right balance. Um, there, there are a number of approaches used in our Harrow International Schools to date. Um, with, with lots of screens, um, lots of use of, of, of tablets, uh, bring your own device um, um, systems, policies for some of the older um, year groups. Um, and we're moving away from now interactive whiteboards to, towards um, screen sharing and, and you know, lots of opportunities to, pro to, to project screens um, uh -huh. to groups of children or whole classes. Um, but we are actually going through a period of rethink. The important thing at the moment is at the moment, sorry, at the moment, of course, is that we are um, providing infrastructure um, that will be um, appropriate to what we want to offer our teachers and children. So, you know, very, very high speed um, and lots yeah. of um, accessibility is going in as we speak into our new school builds. Um, but the technology in the classroom, not quite sure yet. Okay, okay, great. Last one from the listeners. 
Um, is Harrow's Leadership Academies fully focused on local Chinese children and parents, or is it also accepting and hoping to attract expat families and children and foreign passport holders? Um, if so, is there perhaps also potential for scholarship schemes uh, Yeah, in that respect? Good question. Um, so very much the latter. We're excited by the quality and prospects within our Harrow Innovation Leadership Academies. This, this isn't tokenism at all to the Chinese national curriculum. This will be um, a, a very carefully thought through curriculum delivery, a huge amount of broader opportunity for children to uh, really explore um, what interests them in, in their education. So we do imagine that there's going to be families who um, are not Chinese who, who want this unique education for their child. And in fact, in the coming years, we're going to be launching um, two schools where families absolutely will have choice. So both in Shenzhen and in Haiko will have on yes, the same yeah. campus um, a Harrow International School and a Harrow Innovation Leadership Academy. And we believe that families will exercise choice um, and, yeah. and frankly the opportunity um, to as a, 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 an international expatriate whether Korean, Japanese, um, Western European, North American and have that opportunity for your child to become completely fluent in Mandarin uh, whilst receiving a Harrow education could be very enticing up against the Harrow International School offering. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we will accept non-Chinese passport holders into our HILAs, and we think there are going to be some. Um, second question, scholarships, absolutely, not just to um, uh, non-Chinese, but to Chinese as well. Um, this is something that Harrow just does. We believe in scholarships. We believe bringing children in from a range of backgrounds um, is healthy for the whole community as, as well as serving that child. Um, so there will be scholarship opportunities. Um, and, and there are in all Harrow International Schools and in the original school, which was founded by a philanthropist and has always had scholarships. Interesting little aside, Chris, the reason for the yeah. Harrow International Schools relationship um, from with Harrow School, from a Harrow School perspective, um, oh. is, number one, Harrow School is very proud of its international schools and, and the quality it represents for Harrow education in Asia. But number two, it generates through the license um, a bit of income, a bit of extra income yeah. for Harrow School, and it spends that income on scholarships. That's what all the income goes to. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's something that's very deep in us. Um, Mick, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the China Dedication Podcast today. Uh, it really has. I've learned uh, so much, and I think a lot of our listeners are going to as well. And I, I really hope that, you know, we can continue this story because the, the rollout is just incredible. Uh, you know, we, we wish you the, the hugest amount of success with it. Well, you're also doing a great job, Chris. I've enjoyed the way you've conducted this conversation. It's been very broad-reaching. You've done your research extremely well and it's been a pleasure to talk to you and if i can help in the future in any way please just get in touch bye bye to your listeners i hope they've found it useful <laughs> and i hope i'll be hearing yes. some of you yeah wonderful and, and nick we always ask this uh, you can make this short if you want because i know we're coming on we're about lunchtime now I always ask um the people we have on what's your most powerful teacher's tip and, and i'm sure you have 
literally so many. But if we're talking about Harrow and in an international setting, to those teachers out there, what would it be in a nutshell? Some of you will think that this is cliched. My most powerful teacher's tip, and it immediately sprung into my mind as you were asking the question, is to make sure that your children know you love them. To be in it for the kids for the right reasons and for them to know it. Um, whether you're a class teacher, a specialist teacher, a middle manager, a headmaster, if your kids know that you're in it for them, they'll walk through fire for you. That's my teacher's tip. Here, here. Um, listeners, if you would like to find out more information about Harrow's quite incredible international expansion, uh, potential job vacancies, and the great work that Mick and his team are doing, uh, please go to www.ilachina.cn. That's ilachina.cn. Once again, Mick, thank you so much. You have a great day and look forward to speaking to you at some point in the future. This is China Jedi, people. If you enjoy listening to the China Jedi podcast and want to get involved, either by asking a question, expressing your opinion, good or bad, light or dark, or even appearing as a special guest, then get in touch by emailing our team at info at chinajedi.com. That's info at chinajedi.com. May the smile be with you.